Are you feeling stuck? Are you searching for purpose and a more fulfilling life? Are you looking for inspiration and encouragement? Then this is the place for you. I'm Brooke Moore. I'm Gretchen Jackson. I'm Kelly Strother. I'm Tharwit Lovett. We are Shifter. In this podcast, we will address all things mindset. You will hear real stories from real women who have faced their fears, crushed their limiting beliefs, and have turned their mess into their message by shifting their mindsets and leveling up in business and life. The mission of Shifter is to empower women with tools to shift their minds to level up in business and life. We aim to support the big dreams of all women and want to celebrate their success. Each month, we will highlight the story of a woman-owned business. Today, we are sharing Whitney Leugner's business, June and Noel. June and Noel is a female-owned business that designs lightweight and ear-friendly earrings, as well as a few other handmade goods. This business was born as a creative expression during a season of healing and has continued to be a place of great joy. Each piece is made by Whitney Leubner, a stay-at-home mom and former photographer. Whitney says the places where photography and jewelry intersect are the happiest places. To learn more about Whitney and to see her beautiful handmade products, follow her on Instagram or Facebook at June and Noel or shop at Juneandnoel.com. Now on to our episode. Hello, everyone, and thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of the Shift Her podcast. I'm Kelly Struther, one of the co-hosts and co-founders here at Shifter, where we are passionate about bringing you stories of women who have risen above life's challenges to live out their purpose, which brings me to today's guest, Kai Coggin. Welcome, Kai. We're so glad to have you. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Thank you. Yeah. So I'd love to let our listeners get to know a little bit more about you. Kai is a widely published poet and author of Periscope Heart, Wingspan, Incandescent, and also a spoken word album silhouette. She is a queer woman of color who thinks Black Lives Matter, a teaching artist in poetry with the Arkansas Arts Council, and the host of the longest running consecutive weekly open mic series in the country, Wednesday Night Poetry. Recently, she was awarded the 2021 Governor's Arts Award and named Best Poet in Arkansas by the Arkansas Times. Her fierce and powerful poetry has been nominated four times for the Pushcart Prize, as well as Bettering American Poetry in 2015 and the Best of Net in 2016 and 18. Coggin is an associate editor at the Rise Up Review, and she lives with her wife in Hot Springs National Park, Arkansas. So I'd love to kind of dive right in with how I came to know about this wonderful woman who's our special guest today, and that's through poetry. So if any of you know me personally or have listened to my interview, you may have heard me talk about writing, specifically poetry being a big outlet and one that has definitely helped my own mental health. It's helped me pull uh, myself out of very dark places and days and get through different trauma events. It is also an outlet, though, that is Um, been stifled often and pushed down through this game of life um, with all of its supposed to's with the hustle with putting everyone else's needs above my own it's just all too easy for us as women to get swept up by life in this way but it's also one of the reasons behind our shift her mastermind program and this podcast to show women that they are meant for more to help them rise above what they may be holding back from in life and empower them to rise up in their passions and purpose. 
So I personally had taken my power back, so to speak, in rediscovering my own writing passions, kind of finding my voice again, uh, you know, was getting ready to push through fears and find some open mic nights locally. And then, of course, the pandemic hit. But I stumbled upon this virtual open mic night for poetry led by Kai. Uh, beyond that, she makes a point to make it a safe space for all to share, free of outside biases. So, Kai, I'd love to talk more about you being so pivotal in creating and holding a space for others. You know, I think we all um, realize it's so crucial during this pandemic because of all this isolation that's been brought on. Um, holding that space helps others work through emotions they may not be able to share with others in their life. And of course, I know you have a heart for creating this space for minorities and the underprivileged whose voices have every right to be heard, but are often pushed down. And then of course, it connects us on this important level of humanity that we tend to miss when we are just caught up in the busyness of life, just kind of going through the motions and that petty gossip and just kind of the um, surface level that we don't usually dig deeper on. So Kai, what has it meant to you to get to create this space for others? And can you remember a time in your life that someone did the same for you? Creating Wednesday Night Poetry um, and being the host and the facilitator uh, during this really catastrophic and unprecedented unprecedented event of the pandemic has really um, just made me see that this is my purpose. My purpose has always been to, to connect, to offer a safe space. And a lot of that stems from my childhood of not really having a safe space, not really belonging to a community, feeling that um, who I was as a, as a child, you know, as a young teenager questioning her sexuality, as, as a, a young brown girl, you know, in America, just all of these different experiences, the immigration experience of coming from another country and coming to Houston, Texas, and being just this new, uh, new person in, in a big, you know, small fish in a big world and not really having anywhere to anchor. Um, having a space that would have been really helpful to me, having a place to belong. And it was actually poetry that ended up being that anchor for me, that ended up giving me a place to sort of um, latch onto and, and to be a, my compass. Um, I didn't really know I was writing poetry when I was young, when I first found an empty notebook and just started scribbling thoughts in there. Um, but I had all of these traumas that happened to me as a child and I didn't have anywhere to put them. So I just started writing them down in a notebook and having that space, having that place to keep my secrets, I guess, and to keep my curiosities and my dreams and my fears and worries. Would I ever see my dad again? Um, will I ever be able to tell my mom that I like women or that I like girls? You know, all of these different things. Will I go to hell? I was raised Catholic. And so those two things, being a Catholic, and being in youth group and going to church every Sunday and also struggling with my sexuality and questioning, those two things didn't fit. And so, you know, I always needed this place that I could feel safe. And then when I joined the Corps of Cadets in college, um, it was a military institution, basically. It was very right-wing and fundamentalist. And I was this young 18 year old hippie that wore bell bottoms and thrift store clothes. And I was such a free spirit. And I went into this world where that was not allowed and being me was not allowed. And I was hazed for being a woman. I was abused, um, you know, and, and I was 
I was actually expelled from that military institution because of my sexual orientation. I violated the don't ask, don't tell policy. So I've gone through all of these different situations in my life where I was traumatized. I was, I was made an example of, I was hurt um, as, as a very young person all the way up until my twenties. And so it, I made it a purpose to create a space where that wouldn't happen to other people. When I taught high school, I went into teaching when I graduated from college. Um, I had a degree in poetry and I was like, well, what the hell do I do with a degree in poetry? <laughs> How do I make money? Um, so I went into teaching and I taught ninth and 10th grade uh, high school English in the same school district that I grew up in. And so I knew that those kids went through a lot of the same experiences that I had gone through, gangs and you know, bloods and the crypts and parent, you know, parents that are divorced and parents that are always working and, you know, staying at home alone, being a latchkey kid. And, and a lot of kids also were questioning their sexuality. So it was my purpose to create a safe space for them. And that has just kind of carried me on through the rest of my life since then, just making a space. I created the very first gay straight alliance in the school district for the kids, for kids that were questioning you know, who they were. And it was called HOME. And it stood for helping others manifest equality. I love that. And we met every Wednesday. Yeah. And, and it was just a place, you know, kids just need a place where you can, you know what, you can be yourself here. And it's funny because it's not just kids that need that. And seeing Wednesday night poetry and the way that it's kind of organically bloomed into this community, I've been very intentional about creating this space and about being warm and about being loving, you know, to strangers and being open to strangers because not many people do that people don't want to put their vulnerability um, on screen for anybody, anyone to see, you know, but so I've been really intentional about doing that. And the fruits of that have been tremendous, seeing the, the change and seeing how people are responding to that has just made me want to do it even more. So I don't know if that answered your question, but <laughs> I feel really good about creating that space for people oh, and even having you there to join us. Well, thank you. And I know we talked about, you know, it started as this open mic in Hot Springs where you are. And then as it's become virtual, it has really expanded internationally. Yeah. Got people yeah. So I took over as the host uh, a couple of years ago. And Wednesday Night Poetry, for those that don't know it, Wednesday Night Poetry is the longest running consecutive weekly open mic series, as you said. And I took over um, at our 30th anniversary. The host, Bud Kenny, asked me to take it into the future. And I was like, okay, I had this new energy and, you know, I was real fiery and just getting, getting started with my career as a poet, you know, and so I was ready to do that. And I was excited to expand our community locally, you know, then the pandemic hit and I didn't want our legacy to be broken because we've had 1,673 weeks in a row that we've met. And I didn't want that streak to be lost on my watch. So I moved it local, I mean, I moved it virtually and I invited the local poets to send in a video and I posted it at our regularly scheduled time that we would normally meet. And it was really cool. The first week was really cool. We were still together, even though we couldn't be together. And then so the, the week after that, I opened it up to anybody, anybody around the country that wanted to share, any, any poet anywhere that wanted to share. And at first, you know, it didn't really 
catch on too much, but within week three and week four, I had 50, 60 poets sending in videos from all over the country, from Ireland, from Australia, from England, from just all over. So people needed a place to belong. And it was before all of these Zoom readings. I mean, there's hundreds of Zoom readings every day now, but the way that we do it on Facebook, you can be there and not have to be there. You can still be taking care of your kids or working. You know, you can be a part of the community. You can watch it on your own time. And each of these poems kind of ripples out into, into the ethers by themselves. They're there forever on Facebook. So sometimes I'll get a, a poem that someone submitted, you know, five months ago, and it'll pop up on my newsfeed again. So even your videos, they're there forever. So I, I like that that's different about how we do Wednesday Night Poetry. Yes, it is such a neat thing that collectively we are experiencing this as, you know, a globe and we can contribute to this collective energy of positivity that we're putting out. Exactly. Hearing and that sort of thing. Exactly. And that's why I started doing a theme every week, you know, because we were going through so many difficult things with, with the pandemic, of course, at first, and then with the, you know, George Floyd murder, and then all the protests, and then the election, and there was all of this chaos. And so I would try to direct thought through Wednesday Night Poetry, I would put out a theme like, this week, let's send in poems of hope. Let's send in poems about dreams. Let's send in poems about, you know, and it would kind of direct that energy because poets, creatives, any artist, we have energy at our disposal. We tap into this, this higher sphere, these higher vibrations and higher frequencies. And if your soul is aligned, you can get, get into that, you know? And so to direct the thought of these poets each week, um, especially going through all these difficult things has been, has been a really humbling experience for me. Yes. And so um, I'm going to shift gears just a little bit and kind of bring it back to your, your teaching career that, career that you touched on. Um, and in speaking about alignment, uh, would you say that during that journey and during that part of your career, there was any sort of moment that really kind of stopped you in your tracks or maybe had you questioning things and ultimately shifting a belief in your mindset? Absolutely. Um, you know, as I said, I, I graduated with a degree in poetry. And I, I put poetry on the back burner, just like you said you had to, to kind of do my life and make a career and make money. Um, and I brought poetry back into to my classroom with my ninth and 10th graders. And um, there was this whole culmination of, of an experience. I don't know if we have time for me to go into it fully, but it had to do with a famous poet named Sandra Cisneros. And I brought one of her poems. She wrote The House on Mango Street. And she won the Presidential Medal of Freedom, just a famous, famous poet. I brought one of her poems into my classroom and my kids were, you know, they were like me. They were kind of rough. They were in gangs. They were, you know, 98% Black and Hispanic. And, you know, it was, it was, they were my kids. They needed something that could get to their hearts. So I brought a poem in called Loose Woman. And it's a poem about stereotypes that she had been, uh, that had been forced upon her as a, a Latina woman. Um, and I put the poem up on the overhead and the poem had the word bitch in it. So the kids were like, ooh, miss, oh my God, you know. Um, and, it, and it addresses all of these stereotypes and then she flips them on their heads and she kind of attacks back at these stereotypes and denies them. And this was such an empowering poem for my students who are 15, 14, 15, 16 years old to see. 
So they were so engaged that I had them write their own poem that was a shadow of that poem, write your own loose woman poem. What stereotypes are forced upon you? You know, oh, you're, you're gonna be in jail by the time you're 18. You're gonna, you know, you're gonna be in a gang. You're not gonna graduate college. What stereotypes are, are put upon you? So they wrote their own poem and it was just, oh my God, so powerful. So again, I didn't want that engagement to stop. Our next, uh, our next unit was persuasive writing. So I had them write persuasive letters to Sandra Cisneros to invite her to our classroom so that she could read her poem to them. And I thought it was totally a long shot, you know, but it was a really neat exercise. I printed out their letters and then on the back was um, their poem. And so I had this stack of 200 poems and letters and I wrote a poem and I wrote a letter and I found her agent in New York City and I sent them, I sent the letters to New York and we went on Christmas vacation and I was like, okay, that was such a great lesson. Good job, Ms. Coggin, you know. When right. we came back from Christmas, there was an email from Sandra Cisneros in my inbox and she came to visit my kids. And so it was bringing this famous poet to this you know, public school in Houston, Texas. And it showed my students the power of their own words. So for me, it was a validation from the universe that, hey, remember your words too. Remember that poetry is in your path. Um, that year, I won Teacher of the Year. I won Teacher of the Year out of the whole school district. And then I won Teacher of the Year top five out of 85,000 teachers in Texas. And then I quit. Yeah, I quit because I knew that I was going to be a poet. I had to change directions. I had to shift to go onto that road that I knew was still calling me. And my students were cheering me on. And so I did that. I left teaching. I didn't know how I was gonna make any money. I left a $53,000 a year career to become a poet. And it was a really big decision. It was scary and risky. And my parents thought I was crazy, you know, but I did it and uh, moved here to Hot Springs. And I just started writing full time again and, you know, Eight years later, I'm doing it. I'm living the dream. I have three books. I've, I'm the best poet in Arkansas, so to speak. You know, and it's just, it's, it's amazing when you shift your thoughts into a certain direction. Energy has no, you know, energy just follows it. Uh, my wife always says, energy follows thought. And so, if you if you set your eyes on the prize, everything in the universe will lead to that that goal, that direction, that mountaintop. It just, you know, that's just how it works. Yeah. So it's about thinking. Absolutely. I know you know that. Yes. Well, and, and I so think, yeah, that was a huge shift. Absolutely. And I think it's also a testament of, of just pushing through fear. So, you know, you could have mm -hmm. just like yeah. that, those poems, but taking that leap of faith to even send those off to the publisher. Um, you know, I think at that point you thought, oh, this right. was a really great, like you said, a really great exercise, but Oftentimes the universe likes to deliver things in ways we never could have imagined and even bigger and better than we think might happen. And obviously that was the case for you. And just think too, a really good lesson that take it that next step forward and push through the things that might seem scary at the time. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so I know you did touch on your, your past a little bit. And another thing we, we love to really show women and, and work through in our, our own lives and, and help others in theirs is, is highlighting that we may have this brokenness or, or burdens in our past, but it still can be a part of our message. And it is also still very worthy of sharing in our message. Um, 
you know, so I know you, again, you touch on your past. Is that something that you were able to kind of turn that mess into your message? Or is there another example of when you've done that in your life? I love that phrase of turning your mess into a message, because that's honestly what I've been doing since I really um, intentionally started putting myself out there, even as a teacher, you know, I would tell my students, hey, my parents were divorced. I came here from another country. I was, you know, I always had, um, had body image problems. You know, I was always a chubby girl and I was a tomboy. So I had all these things that I could identify with them, you know, and I, I just always put my whole vulnerable self out there for them. Because when you put yourself out there, it creates a space for somebody else to put themselves out there. And even now I'm back in the classroom, you know, I do poetry residencies to uh, second graders all the way to 12th graders all over the state of Arkansas. I teach about 3,500 kids a year and I get to just teach poetry. But when I do that, I tell them my whole story. I tell them about, you know, coming to a new country and my parents divorcing. Most of the time, I don't tell them about me being gay unless they're in high school, then sometimes I do, but depending. Um, but it's putting myself out there and not being afraid of it um, that actually has propelled some of my success. Because when you, when you create um, this vulnerability, when you allow yourself to be seen then people will see you. If you put up all these walls, no one's ever going to see you. If you if you aren't honest or, or say your truth, no one's going to hear you. You know, you have to, I have to um, be open about everything that's been going on in my life, even though, even though it's scary, even though, you know, people might judge me. Um, it helps people. It saves people. So definitely putting turning your mess into a message is, is a way that we can all help each other and help humanity. We all go through stuff. We're not alone. You know, even the community of, of Wednesday Night Poetry, by putting my hand up to the screen every week. You know, at first I thought it was kind of a hokey thing to do. The second week we did it virtually, I put my hand up to the screen recording on my iPhone so that the people on the other side of it could put their hand up to their phone or their computer and feel like they were touching someone. And my wife at first was like, what are you doing? You know, and I, I kind of, I was ashamed at first. I was scared. I was like, this is so dorky to do this, but you know what? It's been a year and I've done it every single week and poets are putting, are reaching back. And some have sent me pictures of them putting their hand up to the screen saying, you don't know how much this means to me. Cause there's so many people that are going through this whole isolation thing completely alone. And I, I put my hand up to the screen and I say, put your, feel my energy, feel my love. And I hold it there for a while, even though it's kind of weird and no one's really there on the other side when I'm recording, I really put my heart and my energy and I put it out through my hand and they feel it. So yes, vulnerability, honesty, um, you know, taking off all of those shells and all that armor that we have to wear as humans on this planet and just being soul and just being heart. That's what matters right now. That's what touches people. That's what we need right now to move forward in our own evolution as a species. It's so true. And um, I think another another thing in just seeing others and holding that space and really um, meeting others where they're at is when we have risen beyond these limits, limitations and these things are holding us back. And then we realize, hey, look how far I've come you know, we talk a lot about how it's important to then turn around and see who else you can pull up 
that is where you used to be. Yes. Um, you know, giving others advice and how to how to get there themselves. And so, I would love to ask you, you know, knowing where you you what you've come through and where you are now, if you were to look back, what advice would you give your younger self? Keep going. Keep going. Um, there were so many times where, you know, young people don't really have the emotional capacity to, to really process trauma. Um, you know, when you're going through things as a young child or as a teenager, and I had some heavy, heavy stuff go on in my life. I was raped. I went through all of these different things and young people don't have that. So many times I wanted to commit suicide. There were several times in my life that I thought that that was the only way out, you know, because I didn't have the the capacity yet to process. And so sometimes that's the only way. So if I had to go back and look at little me, I would just say, keep going. It's going to be okay. You're going to find someone that understands you, that loves your soul, that will help you fly again. You know, she's out there. You're going to find yourself. It's all of these things that, that all of us wish we could say to our, our little selves. And honestly, I would just give her a hug. I would just hold her and hug her and tell her she's not alone. Yes. I mean, I keep going. Definitely relate. And I know even, even when, you know, some people are in that dark place, it's hard to think about keeping going, but even just crawling, just taking one step, just making yeah. you know, yeah. progress. Just so, so crucial. And so, you know, we've talked so much about poetry. I know it's, um, a big deal in both of our lives. And it's a tool that we use to navigate so much. I would love to know what advice you can give to those who maybe aren't sure where to start with writing. Maybe they have a hard time writing. Do you personally have a go-to method when you need something to just kind of pull you out of that funk or help you work through a challenging situation in life? Well, with writing, um, I don't necessarily, I don't force it. I don't force it. I, I believe that I'm kind of a, a conduit um, to different messages or different things that I need to put out into the world. If there's some kind of injustice that's going on or something that needs to be amplified, usually my, my soul will align and, and I'll just get a poem. It'll just come, you know? I don't really sit around and, and scribble little things in a notebook or, you know, they, a poem will usually just come to me. And so I've been lucky in that respect to really open myself up to whatever needs to be held, whatever needs to be created. Um, but if you're struggling with writing, you know, the biggest thing I can tell you is to read. Read other people's poetry, read, um, you know, other, just read books, read short stories, go outside. Nature is always a source of inspiration for me. I can be in a total funk um, or not having written in a couple weeks or a couple months even, and I'll see something outside that just defies, you know, defies everything. It just makes me, I want to run to the page just so I can hold on to it in words. I want to keep that image. So I want to describe it as best as I can. So I never forget it. Trauma does a lot of things to memory. Um, I don't remember most of my childhood that I spent in Bangkok, Thailand, on the other side of the world. I was there till I was seven, but I don't have any memory of it which is, you know, so weird. So as a poet, um, I write things down that I want to remember. I turn them into poems, moments that, you know, like seeing the comet in the sky and you know, just any kind of memories, these snow days that we've been having lately, you know, I've written poems about them because I, I want to keep them. I also take so many pictures. I take tons of pictures. And so if your art form 
is kind of slow or it's not, not taking off, explore other arts, make something with your hands, cook, take pictures, you know, dance, be weird and dance in your living room by yourself. It doesn't always come out on the page. It can come out in many different ways. Art is energy, creativity, you know, it manifests in lots of different ways. So don't, don't be hard on yourself. That's I love, I love that. Just, you know, yeah. yeah. I love you brought up, you know, nature and, you know, even things like poetry, dancing, cooking. I think that's one thing I can definitely have days where I am just can't get out of the funk and I'm maybe drawn to my past or not feeling like I'm enough. And it's really tuning into all the senses that really helps me to remember to be present whether that's stepping yeah. outside and like literally feeling that sunshine, feeling the, the earth, maybe hearing music, um, that always helps really bring me into the, the present moment. Mm. Appreciate Yeah, exactly. Um, it's, it's been such a thrill just kind of hearing more from you about your journey and your story and this amazing uh, work that you're doing through poetry and really helping provide this amazing space and, and energy for others to share. I would love to ask a few more questions that we we'd love to ask each sure. of our guests um so the first one I would just love to know from you is this is probably going to be a challenge because I can see you're a big reader but what is your favorite book of all time Ooh. <laughs> um one of the first books that really kind of made me think differently was a book called Ishmael and it's by uh I'm looking at my shelf Daniel Quinn um, Ishmael. And it's, it was just a book that I had never, I had never experienced a narrative like that. And it made me think in a more spiritual way. Also, I love the book, The Alchemist. That was one of my favorite books as well. Um, a lot of these books that are sort of have that spiritual tint to them, you know, um, and in terms of poetry, um, I love Mary Oliver's work. She's really kind of aligns with my soul and also Jane Hirschfield's work. So I know that wasn't just one, but That's Ishmael, okay. The Alchemist, Jane Alchemist. Hirschfield, and Mary sure. Oliver. Okay. Yeah. Um, those are some really, <laughs> so um, I would also love to know what is the best piece of advice you've ever been given? Wow. These are tricky, really important questions. Okay. Um, hmm. Gosh, I've gotten so much advice. Um, communicate, you know, communicate your feelings. People aren't mind readers. Some of us are, but a lot of people aren't, you know, and communication has always been something that I wasn't really trained to do as a young person. So um, when I met my wife, my now wife, you know, 12 years ago, it, it was her just telling me to say how I feel say how you feel. If something's making you uncomfortable, if something feels weird and it, it's triggering, you know, the only way that you can work through those things is to be open about it, to communicate with somebody that you trust. I had so many triggers and I wore so many masks in my life that were not me, so many shells of trauma that were not me. And it was only in identifying them and talking about them openly with someone I trust that I could bloom into who I am now, into Kai. Kai isn't even my real name. My real name is Kimberly. And I have a poem about that. But Kimberly went through so much trauma and so much pain, you know, that, that I kind of, I renamed myself. I redefined myself. I shifted that whole narrative of my past into who I am now. So I've been, I've been Kai for, since 2008. 
And uh, that it's like a whole new person. I, I love who I was in the past, you know, but I wanted a fresh start and anyone can do that. You can, you can redefine yourself at any moment, even in the next minute, you can redefine yourself. You can make a choice and you can, you can change things. You can, you're in charge of your own story. Very true. Absolutely. And I, I love that um, advice to communicate. So often I think we just are scared of, well, what, is, what are people going to think? And what if it offends? Yeah. Cares? You know, you put your truth out there and that's, that's what matters. And see, as writers, a lot of times we feel comfortable more writing our feelings down, you know, writing our thoughts down. But then like, what if nobody reads it? What if nobody ever sees that you are that vulnerable or you are that scared or that hurt you that much? You know, if you speak it out into the universe, it's, you can release it. You can take that off of you. And when I, when I teach the kids now here in Arkansas, my mantra for them is poetry is a safe place for your feelings. And that's all I tell them. Poetry is a safe place for your feelings. Because these little ones, they don't have anywhere to put all that. No one teaches them that you can just put that on the page and all of a sudden it comes off of your shoulders. You don't have to carry that weight anymore. Yeah. You know, so that's, that's, that's where it is now for me. That's kind of the intersection of both of my passions, teaching and poetry have, have come together. So I'm directly, I feel like, I'm really directly aligned with what I'm supposed to be doing on this planet at this time. Amazing. So to kind of flip the switch on that, I would love to also know what is the worst piece of advice you've ever gotten? Probably the opposite of that would be, you know, to hide. Um, when I came out as gay um, to my mom and, you know, she's definitely changed and grown since then. Um, but it's something that was really pivotal in my life and it, it scared me a lot when I told her that I was gay when I was 18 the first thing she said was but you're going to go to hell you know so it it made me want to hide hide every truth that I had it took me five years to get the courage to tell her you know um, and so it made me just shut down and it had the opposite effect and it you know took me into the next 10 years or so of not living my truth and not feeling value for myself and not feeling I was worthy of being in a loving relationship. Um, I was, I ended up getting in a relationship with a, with a girl, a woman uh, for eight years that would never call me her girlfriend. We were together for eight years and she wouldn't hold my hand in public. She wouldn't dance with me in public. And so I felt like I deserved that. Like I, that was the value that, that was the threshold of, of my value and my worth that I didn't really deserve to be loved, you know? So that had the opposite effect. So words matter. Uh, definitely be careful what you, what you tell people, especially when they're brave enough to be open with you. So like I said about being open and communicating, make sure that you trust uh, who you're talking to. Make sure that they're going to hold you like a seedling, you know, or a baby bird. Make sure that you, you really can, can trust them when you, when you really do tell your truth, because not everybody deserves your truth. Um, but I do, I want to clarify that my mom is totally cool now. She came to my wedding, you know, <laughs> it was on awesome. Zoom. She loves, she loves Joe. Yeah, she, it, everyone evolves. Everyone, you know, as growing up Catholic and having that fear instilled in you, it's a hard thing to, to evolve from. And so my mom is very, very loving and we both grew from that experience. That's great to so hear. That too was important. Yeah. yeah. I think the universe definitely has Just a way. Just wanted to clarify. 
in case she heard the podcast and she was like, oh, <laughs> I love my mom so much. Right. Uh, well, again, it's it's just been such a pleasure. I'm so appreciative that you came on the podcast and wanted to speak with us and um, just have had a great time getting to know more about you and your story. So we will for sure drop everything about where you can find Kai in the show notes. Um, you can definitely find her at kaicoggin.com. And again, thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Shift Her Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode of the Shift Her Podcast. We are here to share stories that inspire so that you can create the life you love now. If you liked what you heard, please leave us a review, share on social media, and tell us why it resonated with you. You can follow us on Facebook at Shift Her, Instagram at shifther.co, and read more about us at www.shifther.co. While you're there, sign up for our High Vibe monthly newsletter, where we share even more inspiration and stories from our Mastermind program. Links from today's episode are in the show notes.